Well, this is the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 175. That's the unique thing about real estate, though, right? Is you have to be ready to pivot based on the deal because not every deal fits in the same box. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Brandon Turner. Hey, what's going on? Hi. What's up? How are you? You know, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I've uh, been, like I said, playing racquetball a lot lately. I think I said that last week. And uh, today, this morning, I got hit with like the hardest he could possibly hit the racquetball right in the back of my upper leg, we'll say. We oh, you got a welt, huh? Yeah, I got a nice welt there. So, you know, a little yeah, sort those of things sit. hurt. Yeah. Other than that, Aww. things are good. Aww. Everybody, yeah. let's give Brandon a big fight. <laughs> and if you want to tweet that, you could tweet Brandon at BP on Twitter you and give him, give him a big fat, oh, thank, thank you. And now my Twitter is going to blow up for the next year. That's, awesome. that's what I'm talking about. You're talking but about. I'm, st- I'm still getting knock knocks. You are still getting knock years ago. Yeah. And for those who don't know what that is, at the end of one of the early shows, after the music played at the end of the podcast, everything was done. I came back on and I was like, hey, guys, go ahead and do me a favor and tweet knock knock to at J.R. Dorkin. And people are still doing it. Yeah, so. I got one a couple days ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's so, awesome. Cool. It's All awesome. right. Today's yeah, show. Man. Today's show, yeah, today's show is great. We've fun. got two guys yeah. who uh, work together, and and they've got a cool story about how they do that and how they've built up this this pretty pretty cool portfolio for for folks who've been in the game for only a couple of years and you know focused on large multifamilies. Yeah, I, I think what I like most about today's show is the idea of overcoming your fear yeah. to just jump in and do stuff that really makes sense and finding ways to get past that. I, I think. For me, that was the big takeaway. Yeah, I agree. There's a ton of actionable stuff in there, just like, I mean, just one after another about how to do that and how they did it. And uh, you guys are going to love it. So listen up. Yeah. Well, let's get to today's, let's get to today's quick tip. I tried to harmonize with you there. Yeah. That didn't work. I know. It usually doesn't. All right. Quick tip. You want to take it? You want me to? Yeah. You know, in, in the show today, we talk about the power of networking locally and how important it is to, to, you know, uh, participate in local networking groups. And if there aren't any to get out there and create your own, which you can do on Bigger Pockets, which is fantastic. And to do that, you just go to Bigger. On the forums, there's actually a drop down menu item for local networking. But to get there quickly, you just go to biggerpockets.com slash local connect. And that'll take you right to that local forum. So uh, get out there and do that. All right, cool. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day, plus Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. 
hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. And oh, you know what? I'm going to say one more thing before we get to actually bring the guests today. I do want to say if you guys are interested in writing for the Bigger Pockets blog, we said this a few weeks ago. I want to just reiterate if you guys are interested in writing and can write fairly regularly and you want to get your name out there as somebody who knows what they're doing about real estate, biggerpockets.com slash contribute. Biggerpockets.com slash contribute. Let us know. We'd love to have you writing some good articles and send it out to our 500,000 members. So it's a great way to get exposure. It is. For sure, for sure. All right, let's let's get this thing going. Today's guests are Mike O'Connor and Matt Wood. And like I said, they're, these guys have, have a lot of cool info to share. They're down in the Atlanta, Georgia area. And let's bring them on. All right, Matt and Mike, welcome to the show, guys. It's great to have you. Thanks for having us. Thank Happy you. to be here. Yeah, so you guys listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast, correct? They're brothers. Are you related? <laughs> Not related, thank okay. goodness. Okay, but you yeah. do listen to the BP podcast. You're members of BP. You love Josh Dorkin right here. He's your idol. That's what I heard anyway. Yeah. Love so, something like that. Love okay. is a strong word. <laughs> oh, come on. Seriously, we, Matt. We, we're I gonna thought throw, we had more of a relationship than that. <laughs> we're going to throw you a bone and say we love Brandon, but oh, all right. thank we'll you. go the Josh route. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Whatever works. Well, you also love real estate. That's what I hear. That's correct. All right. So let's talk about that. Tell us your story before real estate. What was it? How'd you guys come together? And just you two, I think there's a couple more involved as well, but tell us the, yeah, kind of yeah. the backstory. 
So Matt and I know each other from college. We were somewhat acquaintances, uh, and we happened to actually join the same job coming out of school working for a, a big four consulting firm. Who was cooler um, in, in college? This guy. Okay, Matt. Well, <laughs> that can be debatable. We'll let him okay. have that one. Okay. Um, so we knew each other from college, knew each other from work, and it's actually kind of funny. I got married in August of 2013, and I was in Maui for my honeymoon. And we're six hours back from where we are here in Atlanta. And he sees me online somewhere around 10 o'clock his time. He's like, dude, why are you online on your honeymoon? Like, what are you doing? I was like, you should be doing other things. It's your honeymoon, (laughs) being on the computer. (laughs) I'm like, I'm looking for a house. He goes, are you trying to move out of your condo? I said, no, I want to get into real estate investing. I'm looking for something to invest in. He goes, me too. And from that moment on, we, we realized that we had some synergies together and we hit it from there. We ended up about a few months later in December of that year after analyzing about a hundred different deals, uh, found a house that we bought and eventually sat on that for about a year, really trying to get an idea. Is real estate something that we're interested in? Do we like doing this? And ultimately decided that we did. I, I just want to stop you for a second there and, and jump in a little bit. First off, uh, you, you definitively should not have been looking on the internet while you were on vacation. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into what you were looking at, but whatever. But but let's <laughs> let's talk about this. You said you went and analyzed about 100 properties before your first deal. And that's yep. something that we, it's something we push people to do, you know, but a lot, a lot of people are like, how do I get started? What do I do? And we always say, get in there and just analyze, analyze, analyze. What value do you think that brought to you guys, the analysis of a hundred deals before actually getting started? Yeah, it brought a lot of value because we were still trying to figure out what our criteria looked like. We didn't know what locations we were going to go after, what price points, what tenant base we were going to look at. And so we started reaching out to other people who had been sort of in the industry, found kind of a mentor for the area, which was huge. It gave us a big confidence booster to know that, hey, we could actually handle this if we actually do our research, don't have analysis by paralysis and just jump in. Yeah. Right. So it was a combination of looking at things on Zillow, getting set up with a real estate agent, having FMLS listings pushed to us, buying anyone we knew coffee to meet us out and pick their brains. I mean, we, for this little $65,000 house that we ended up buying, we probably put in more work than we put in to date on anything else. Um, (laughs) But it was the, the best time we could have ever spent because it got us into the game. It got us actually taking action. Um, and it's got us where we are now. It it also made us, it also made us realize that we spend way too much time on a single family house and that there's value in multifamily. That was a big pivot for us. Right on, right on. Cool. Well, hey, Mike, really quick. I think you need to pick up the energy a bit. I think you might need that. I don't don't know, man. I mean, yeah, there you go. There you go. All right. Josh was making fun of him and his coffee before the the call started. All right. So we... we, So that first deal turned out to be a sixty-five thousand dollars house. What? Yeah. Why? Why did you guys settle on that house? What did you do yeah. with it? What did the numbers look like? Fill us in. Yeah. So, like I said, we analyzed about a hundred different deals, and something was always kind of wrong with it. Looking in that price point, granted, it was two thousand thirteen when you can actually find a better deal. We were, we were very timid. We didn't exactly feel like jumping into something in the hundred fifty thousand dollars range in a nicer area. So we eventually settled on this one house. It was very sturdy. Uh, a previous investor had actually bought it, really fixed it up nicely himself. He did a lot of put a lot of sweat equity into it. So we were actually able to get it for a better price than what it would have normally retailed for. You got to tell him the nickname too. <laughs> yeah, we we call the the house Aunt Jemima. It's <laughs> it's on it's on Maple Drive, so okay. maple syrup, and we wanted sweet returns on it. So 
maple syrup. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. So we we got it uh, certified with Section Eight. We run it out for eight ninety five a month. So it's it's a good return. We get about one point five percent if you're looking at the two percent rule. It's absolutely not a slam dunk. But it's a very, very solid investment for our first time. You know, you hear about a lot of these people who go in and, and you know lose their hair on their first deal. You know, we've done great on it. It continues the cash flow. We probably put in our pocket about four hundred fifty dollars every month based on it. And that's combined. That's not per person. Either. Right. Four fifty per person would be awesome. But you guys know their expenses <laughs> sure. that come with these properties. So. Right. So sure. yeah, it, it took a lot of analysis and something about it just felt right. And again, we were ready to take action, and we ultimately decided that this is the time, and we just kind of jumped right in. Wow. Yeah. Right on, right on. Man, seriously, like I'm giving you a hard time, but like you're motivating. You're like, you got this energy about you that I I, I love. It's it's awesome. Hey, you gotta have energy. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta. All right. So you said that you you uh made it a section eight property. Why did you decide to do that? And and before you even go there, can you explain to those folks listening what exactly is section eight and what's the benefit? Yeah, so long story short, Section 8 is uh, subsidized housing. It's uh, it's for individuals who, for one reason or another, um, aren't able to pay full rent for wherever they're living. So we really like Section 8. You'll hear people on both sides of the fence. Some people really like it. Some people don't like it. And, and the way that we look at it is we, we cater to that B- minus to C range of properties. And, and in that tenant class, they're all very much similar in, in the way that they are. Uh, we find that those who are Section 8 are actually very grateful to have the opportunity to have a nice roof over their head, a nice house to live in. And on top of that, part of that check every month is guaranteed from the government. Uh, so I would say our, our tenants, 70% of the money comes from the government itself. So even if our tenant is late, by the fifth of the month, every month, we have you know $650. Don't quote me on that, that 70% I just said. But sure. we have you know, that money in our bank by the fifth, uh, and you can count on it every month. So it's been, it's been nothing but smooth. They're the best tenants that we've had. Uh, we actually really enjoy the program. Cool. Right on. Cool. That's what are great. what are some of the downsides? Like, what do people complain about? As far as the tenants, they're in that program, or you know, are there investors? Yeah. That, what have you heard other investors complain about? Yeah, I mean, I think that there can be some challenges where maybe one person has a bad experience, and that kind of ends up being a bad apple in the group. Whether it's a tenant that you know doesn't pay their portion, or maybe leaves a property in shape that's not as great, but you know the tenants that we've experienced really value the voucher that they have, and they don't want to lose that voucher. Yeah. Um, for the rent. So we've had a really good experience with it, honestly. And then the yeah. other element of it is depending on, you know, we want to be good landlords. We, we truly, you know, enjoy providing good living conditions to our tenants. We, we really believe in that. And the great thing about Section 8 is they come in and do semi-annual audits of your living conditions. So the way we look at it, it's a free inspection of your house as to what's wrong. Yep. Um, yep. So our house isn't sitting out there being that house with the grass up to your knees, the roof's not leaking. Uh, we're obviously not out there every day. We have property management who handles the day-to-day specifics, but it's a free inspection. And as long as we're willing to take care of it and repair it when needed, it's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And to Matt's point really quick, I, you know, those are some of the things I experienced with Section 8. I, I had folks who weren't taking care of their portion, folks who were just weren't treating the property well, things like that. That was kind of the that was what I was dealing with. But, but, you know, at the end of the day, whether it was section eight or, or not, I think the class of property, um, will oftentimes dictate that, you know, if you, if you've got a BC class, you're going to end up with that. That's what I I always feel like that, that section eight, it's fine, but the house matters more and the tenant matters more than anything. I mean, like I'll accept section eight, but they better be a good tenant. Right. But a lot of landlords just look at it as like, oh, I'll just put a Section 8 person in there. As long as they approve for Section 8, that's all the landlord thinks about. They don't do any more screening besides that point. Exactly. Yeah, 
we've got a lot of Section 8 and we have a lot of non-Section 8. And we've had plenty of issues with non-Section 8. I don't want to say issues, but, you know, typical pains that you have when you're renting to that many households. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hear you. So what are some lessons that you guys learned on that first deal? I mean, is there anything you say like this I did wrong? For people listening today that have never done a single deal, they want to buy their first. Like what can you tell them about that first deal for you guys and, get, you know, either encourage them or warn them? Sure, sure. So uh, looking back, if we were looking at this deal at our current stage in investing, we wouldn't have done it. We don't think that we're getting the best returns that we could get. But having said that, if we hadn't have done that first deal, I don't think we'd be sitting on this podcast with you guys because yeah. uh, it meant a lot to be able to walk into a meeting with investors or other potential business partners to say, yeah, we've got an investment property. And you don't have to say what, what the investment property is, but you're in the game. You know, you have risked it. You're just crazy enough to try. You know, I think that, that was really big for us to get started. Yeah, yeah. I would have said we also probably overpaid just a little bit. Um, I know it was in better condition and we got it for less than we would have normally if it wasn't for the person putting in the sweat equity rather than hiring a contractor to replace the roof, fix the furnace, replace the HVAC. But we still overpaid just a little bit. And again, that was more so us not understanding the rental market enough, not being picky enough, you know, as picky as we are now. One other thing, we, we didn't uh, look as much as we do today at the area to think about future potential growth. Like, did a, mm, yeah. is a Target moving in? Is there a Chick-fil-A or Publix? You know, what other, you know, trends are out there? And we started to look at that a lot more closely, but it was something that we didn't consider as much initially. Yeah. Right. And I, I think a lot of people like stop and they won't, they never buy their first property because they think they need to do all those things. So I will commend you guys. You're right. Whether yeah. this was a home run or not, I mean, it, it was a, a, sing, a simple base hit, right? But it got yeah. you into the game. And I think that matters. I wouldn't say buy a bad deal, but you know, you don't have to yeah. hit a home run on your first try. Just yeah. get in like there. Like I said, our money comes in every month. We still cash flow it and it's fantastic. Yep. Right and on. Right on. Last, last quick question about this. Was it just you two or was it the other partners as well? Because I know you have a couple more guys, right? Yeah, this was just us two. Okay. You know, I think I think we really started to hit our stride when we combined forces with two other guys, but this one was just the two of us. Yep. Okay, cool. so let's talk about that. I mean, what? how did you bring in more people onto your team? Yeah, so like I said, we, we found this original deal uh, in December 2013, uh, and we sat on it for really about a year while we were trying to figure out, is this something that we're interested in? You know, is real estate for us? During that time, we realized it was, and uh, we were looking to kind of trade up, if you will. You know, you're always talking about 1031 exchange or kind of trading up sure. from a, a single-family house to a duplex, duplex to a quadplex. Uh, so we actually called this guy, uh, Eric Halverson, um, great guy, you should talk to him sometime, that kind of advised us on this single-family house. Cool. He was there. We probably ran 50 deals prime. He was very patient with us. Uh, we said, hey, do you have a duplex or a quadplex? Because we're looking to, to step up what we have. He's like, no, I've got a 32-unit deal, and I've got a 200-unit-plus deal. And we were like, uh, no, that's fine. That's too big for us. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, I appreciate you uh, thinking of us. Let us know if you have a quadplex. And, and the more we got to thinking about it, we were like, you know, why not do that? You know, the numbers make sense. It was a fantastic deal. They got it for a really good price. And we're like, you know, we just probably need one more person to help us close this out. And so that's when we reached out to Aziz, who was our, you know, Aziz one of our, Khan. Aziz Khan, who's one of our other partners, you know, the Cambridge Investment Group, if, you, if you'd if you like to call it that. He's a very active guy here in the Atlanta area with bigger pockets. He schedules a lot of the in-person meetups uh, and was yep. very vocal about being interested in getting into the multifamily space. He had a small quadplex and a single family house, but still was in that kind of looking to expand place that Matt and I were in. And uh, we got together, we, you know, we, let him know what our intentions were, showed him the deal, showed him the numbers. He's like, wow, this actually is exactly what I'm looking for. And, you know, at that point, it worked. The three of us could have made it, could have made it happen, but it was such a large jump from one to 32. 
They're like, let's just bring in one more person. Uh, and that's when we brought in our other partner, Kieran, who has some experience with single family homes, but nothing with multifamily to kind of, you know, spread the risk, but also bring in more knowledge, more expertise as we tackled something that was, you know, literally 32 times as big. Uh, and it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's all downhill from there. Okay. 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 So tell nice. us about the 32 unit. I mean, what, what you guys ended up buying that, correct? That was the second deal, that's right? That's right. Yep. We went okay. from thinking that we would look at a duplex or triplex to all of a sudden having a 32 unit. It was crazy. I mean, yeah. we, whoops. as Mike, uh, yeah, whoops. <laughs> yeah, as Mike pointed that's out, what my wife said she was right. <laughs> 32 units. Right. I think convincing our wives was one of the bigger challenges, but they're on yeah. board now. Yeah. I mean, going, going from hearing about the 32 unit deal and thinking like, no way we're ready for that to kind of wondering like, why not? You know, why can't we put our heads together and see what possibilities are out there, which is something we had to do with our hundred unit deal and with other deals down the road. You know, if you don't have the limiting belief to prevent you from really diving in with something, then you can, you can make it happen. You just have to be a little creative and a little crazy in some cases. Right. Yeah. Cool. So, so cool. what, what are the numbers, you know, the 32 unit, what did it look like? And then you talked about creativity. So I'm assuming uh, you guys did something with how you're all working together. Did you just divvy yeah. up uh, some kind of LLC uh, four ways and say, hey, we're all going to put in 25%? How did it all work out? Yeah. For, so for this one, as far as how we split it up, it was pretty much that simple, uh, Josh, as far as forming LLC, splitting it four ways, some of the creativity, you know, as, as Matt was saying, as we got kind of towards that, the 16 unit deal, the hundred unit deal. But for this one, we found 32 units. Uh, they are all two bath or two bed, one bath. It was, what was it at? It was 56% occupied. The units were renting somewhere in the ballpark of 450 to 485. And we were able to land the property for $640,000. We basically got conventional financing from a local bank, 80%. But before you freak out and think, you know, how could you be going from a single family house to a property (laughs) that has $400 per month tenants? The unique thing about this property is it's situated in a neighborhood, like a nice neighborhood of some retired families, a lot of single family right. houses. And it's a rent controlled property that kind of limits that ceiling. So there's, there are a lot of people who would pay more in this area for rent. But part of the reason we were able to get involved in this deal is because it had a lower purchase price because of the lower rent rates because of the rent control. And it's in a nice, safer area too, which is right. Now, how does that, how does that rent control work? Can we just touch on that real quick? Cause I mean, I know there's a lot of rent control out, you know, San Francisco, that kind of stuff. I didn't know there was that in Atlanta right. as well. Yeah, so the reason we were able to get the property for the price we did is a charity actually owned it before we did. Okay. So the same guy, like I said, that was mentoring us actually bought the deal from the charity. And because it was in a charity, it had some specific language in its deed about how much we can charge for certain units. Um, you know, and, and to be simple with it, a certain percentage of the units needed to cater to very low income. So eight of the 32. Uh, 16 of the 32 needed to cater to low income, which is essentially a percentage of you know your income as a what percentage compared to the median income in the area. And so with that in mind, we could only charge up to certain ceilings. But what the charity was doing was they still weren't charging up to those full maximums. So they were at 450, 485. We've actually been able to come in and start charging anywhere between 550 and 625 and kind of push those rents. And the eight units that weren't occupied when we bought it were actually kind of used as some type of transitional housing. So it required a little bit of a rehab to go ahead and get them rent ready. But we basically were able to do that, knock that out in a couple of weeks and get the property fully occupied, I would say, in about two to three months with very little rehab. Yeah, and we were able to – I mean we still put probably forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 into the property yeah. that we rolled into the purchase price. So we've, we've been actively trying to upgrade the units to justify the rent increases. But as we said, there's a wait list for people who are trying to get into this area at that price, which has helped. Right. Well, when you say you rolled it into the purchase price, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so we have a – 
at this point, like I said, we're going from that single family house to this. We weren't as experienced with doing a large scale renovation. And you know, the person that we bought it from had more experience and he said, look, I can sell this to you for 60,000 or I can sell it. Yeah. 600,000. 60,000 would have been fantastic. Um, (laughs) we can sell it to you for 600,000 or we can sell it to you for 640,000 and do some of the renovations. He's like, I'm going to assume that, you know, for some reason the sale won't go through and we're going to hold on to it. So I'm going to start renovating it. We said, that's fine. We'll show you our proof of funds soon. We'll get the financing. Uh, Mm -hmm. and it kind of worked out that way. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. So, uh, the, the property, have you guys done anything? I mean, you got 80% financing. Once you got it fully rented out, did you go and refi the property, do anything like that to, to pull your cash out? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting you ask that. We're actually in the process of working on that refinance right now because we bought it knowing that there was some equity based on the appraisal at the purchase price, and that was when it was 56% occupied or whatever the number was. So okay. there was equity a year ago, and now we know that we'll have a better position to refi, take some cash out, and look to potentially deploy it in some other places. Did you have an estimate of what it's worth today? So when we when we bought it at, for six forty, it appraised I think for either seven twenty five or seven fifty. So you know I would I don't know eight hundred maybe eight fifty. If, if we're being conservative, I'd put it at eight hundred. I'd, I'd really like to think we're getting into that seven figure range, uh, just because of what we'd be able to do with the the occupancy. We've shown steady. You know, if one person moves out, it's filled the next week cool. and pushing the rent. So I'd really like to think we're touching the the seven figure range at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. That's been All a right. Good so. Deal. Yeah. So what happened next? I mean, so you got this 32 unit. Now you got four guys working on this. What comes next? Yeah. So once we kind of realized that we were, I don't want to say on autopilot, but we were figuring things out with the 32 unit. We we're like, all right, what's next? You know, let's figure out what we can do. And and back to that guy, Eric Halverson that Mike mentioned, who was kind of a mentor a little bit with, with the process, called him one day and said, hey, do you have any other deals? He's like, well, I'm driving down to Albany, which is a town about three hours outside of Atlanta to look at a hundred unit deal that seems like there could be some really good value add opportunity. The owners were not charging tenants water, but each of the, the units were submetered. So there was potential for that. Um, and, and he's like, you know, I'm really interested in being involved from an equity position in the deal as well. So if we could figure out a way to get $2.8 million, let's do this. And so we hung up the phone and laughed and we were like, ha, huh, you know, not a chance. Where, <laughs> where would we come up with that? And then, you know, our wheels started turning and we started to think about some friends who had, you know, some money. And we started to think about how we could set up infrastructure with the same property management company that we were already using for the 32 unit and just try to leverage some of those processes that were in place so that we could scale. Cause I think that's one of the unique things about multifamily is the ceiling is a little bit higher in a lot of ways. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so we essentially went from one to 32, from 32 to a hundred, but getting to that hundred unit, that's when we really started to get creative with how we were structuring our deals. You know, this deal, we basically, you know, taking advice from you, Brandon, with the fantastic investing with no money down. No Best book money ever. In, I get it right. Yeah. Best book ever written right there. The book <laughs> on investing in real estate with <laughs> right. no and low money down found at biggerpockets.com slash no money. Shameless wow. plug. That was amazing. Shameful plug. There's a little shame in that. No, no shame on this end. <laughs> okay. No, so we started to get creative. How can we make this work? Because we saw the potential, like Matt said, you know, submetered for water, under rented. There's just so much on both the, the income side and the expense side of the PL that we saw opportunity in. Uh, and so what we ended up doing is we worked with a really small local bank who wanted the business, who was willing to give us a loan at 80%. The sellers had gotten a fantastic deal on it on the front side, so they actually seller financed 10% of it, uh, and then we found investors who brought the other 10%. Now, we have to buy our way back into our equity portion over the course of five years, but what we're, letting, we're letting our portion of the property cash flow to pay back the portion that we owe for the down payment. Mm, I like you know, it. 
if all works out, we're in the middle of a HUD refinance. We're going to try and pull money out, pay down both the seller financing and our portion, and kind of all be in even keel going forward. So, so, so what, awesome. what was the cost on that property? Two point eight million. So twenty eight thousand a door. Yep. That's great. Um, yep. So, nice. so, so what what lessons did you learn in that one? I mean, like besides being creative, anything you can tell us that like was a, a big aha moment for you there? Yeah, I would say there are a couple. One that jumps out at me is um, pay attention to the tax assessment. Uh, value of a property because when you buy a property that uh, was assessed at say one million uh, for two point eight, then the county will get excited and potentially bump up yeah. your tax bill. So that's, that's something that kind of jumped at us. Another thing though is we mentioned the water and how tenants were not paying water, but every every unit was submetered so you could actually read the water usage. Well, we sort of immediately began charging water back to the tenants while we were simultaneously pushing rents up towards the market rate. And we realized pretty quickly that that wasn't the best idea to do those things at the same time. It was too much of a hit. We wanted to work with the tenants and make sure that they knew like, hey, we're upgrading your units. This is why you have a rent increase, but we should have phased it more. So we actually saw a dip in occupancy. We bought it at 86%. It dipped down into the 78 to 80% range, which was getting dangerous for us because there's a break-even point there. But as soon as we made a few changes and had you know daily calls and text messages and things like that, we adjusted and we're actually at like 99% right now right. occupied. That's yeah. awesome. Did the property need work or did, what, was it you know, ready to go renovated? And- it, it's interesting because it was a HUD-approved build. So it was built to HUD standards when we got it. So you know, what that basically means is it's, it's compliant for certain handicap regulations. It's built to a higher standard. The previous owners had previously replaced all the roofs on the buildings. And for the most part, it was in great shape. You know, a lot of what we've seen is uh, appliances, paint, and carpet are the big issues. But yep. you know, as far as the, the, the asphalt and the outside, the exterior, it's all in great shape. You know, but really what Matt said, we just we just push a little too hard, a little too quickly. Uh, and we realized that with a hundred unit property, it, it takes a little more time than the thirty two unit deal. It takes yeah. a lot more time than the one house that we had. Uh, yeah. you've got to be smart about how you phase it in. So be a little more conservative in our our approach to turning it around uh, and driving the value. Got it. Got it. I, I want to go back a, a quick second before we, we move forward. Um, what what are you guys trying to do? You know, I, I mean, you're you're buying properties, you're splitting it up. Um, what, what what's the intent? You, I, I'm assuming you're no longer consulting. I'm assuming you guys are full time in the business, but maybe I'm wrong. No, um, yeah, actually, don't mean to cut you off, but we are still full time consulting. We all have day jobs. And so pretty much everything that we do here is, you know, before work, on our lunch break, after work, on the weekends, or texting, you know, wow. using WhatsApp and things throughout the day. But actually, that that has its limits, but I really think it's a differentiator for us because our W-2 income, you know, allows us to get better financing in some cases. Right. You know, we have we have a good pad of money. You know, every two weeks, it's nice to have that to fall back on rather than relying on rents. And yeah. we like our jobs. You know, we, we enjoy what we do. So... I think I think it's a differentiator for us. Yeah, and, and like I mentioned uh, before, you know, the power of the team is is absolutely critical for us. It's we we've all really starting to get into a stride with one another, where we understand each other's strengths, our weaknesses, our, our time restraints, or lack thereof, in, in some instances. And playing off each other has really helped us hit a stride. Um, you know, using technologies, uh, Evernote, using WhatsApp to constantly stay connected, Dropbox, so we know where everything is at all times. Um, we're really working on being as efficient as possible 
because of our W-2 jobs. You know, as far as where we want to go, the idea is to, to have enough passive income where we don't need to rely on our jobs. Like Matt said, we, we do enjoy our jobs. We like what we do. We get fulfillment out of it. But to yeah. know that there's something that we can control that's providing us income is huge. And if we can turn this into something where we start having people um, you know, work under us and start managing other properties, start a brokerage to transact real estate, things of that nature, we're, we're constantly looking to expand different revenue streams. That's okay. great. I have two quick questions for you. First of all, and this might be, sound like a stupid question, but I just honestly don't know. What's app, right? I've heard of that. What's the benefit of using that? I mean, what is it? Why do you use it? Why not just text messages? Yeah, sure. It's, it's a group text messaging um, application. It's free and it's literally called What's W-H-A-T-S A-P-P WhatsApp. I think Facebook bought them recently, but it allows us to share pictures, videos, text all the time, honestly, and you can make phone calls through it. So it's a good way for us to stay in touch. Again, throughout the day, if there's an emergency, you know, we bring in our contractors onto some WhatsApp conversation groups. We bring in our property managers onto some WhatsApp conversation groups. So we're always trying to automate and find ways to, you know, make things more efficient. Right. So yeah, we've literally got one that's called private and we know it's just the four of us. We've got one that's called contractor. It's got our contractor on it. We know that's one that's called management. It's got our management company on there. Um, And and so it's a very easy way to kind of compartmentalize, but quickly fire out messages or approve things from our management company, uh, you know, if needed. Okay. Okay, cool. Second question then I got for you, Mike, this is for you, Mike. Has anyone ever told you, you look just like Ben Affleck? Please do not make Mike's ego any bigger than it already is, Brandon. It's funny. I've heard that a couple of times, yes. Okay. You kind of talk like him, too, a little bit. Now everyone's going to be thinking that. It's the mannerisms I've been told. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I keep getting the the Batman feel out of you. Well, cool. All right, that was actually my, not my... I'm, I'm, I'm just going to sit here silent. <laughs> no. Josh and I will let you guys have your moment. We'll be back here. <laughs> all right, no, my, my real second question. What do you guys... How do you differentiate your roles? Who does what in the company? That's a good question. When we first bought that 32 unit, we thought, hey, should we divide and conquer? Should we you know, go at this and let one person do the management, one person do the maintenance? And we decided for the first couple of months for everybody to get a full 360 degree view of everything in case somebody's out of town. And we wanted everybody to understand some of the core components of the business. But once we started, uh, once we went from the 32 unit to the 100 unit and then another 16 unit, we had to divide and conquer. We had no choice because we would have different phone calls each week on the properties and you know, it helped though kind of building a base foundation of knowledge as far as what needed to be done to manage it. Yeah. So we kind of divide out now by property. I focus okay. on the hundred unit deal and, and that is my focus. Uh, I don't have a lot of flexibility with physically where I'm located because of my job. Uh, and so I handle a lot of things via email, uh, phone calls at night, phone calls in the morning. And I don't need to be at that site because it's, you know, it's in Albany, Georgia, which is three hours away. So that is my focus. Whereas, you know, Matt and Aziz focus on uh, our White Oak property, which we haven't talked about yet. Uh, and the 32 in a deal, a little more hands on with that. So it, it gives us both an idea of the whole 360 picture of running a property without having to step on each other's toes. We, we know if it's, if it's something with Sunchase, Mike handles it. If it's something with White Oaks, I kick it to Aziz or Matt, and then we kind of cross-reference with each other uh, if we need to approve something or, or make a strategic decision. Cool. We do cool. all, we all stay informed though. I mean, in case there's an issue and Mike's tied up with meetings at work, I need to be able to jump in and handle it, but right. he's the first point of contact and I'm, I'm the first point of contact on other properties. Right. 
And then, you know, we also talk weekly. We have a, a standing call as soon as we hang up with you guys. We actually have a call with the team. It's more of a formal call. We, we talk regularly, but we, we make sure that we have an hour once a week where we formally sit down and we talk about our properties. And a lot of times that's talking about, you know, anything we need to approve or any issues. But we're trying to actually move that towards finding deals and expanding rather than reacting to things that are happening on our property. So we're trying to establish processes and technology so that we don't even have to be a part of, okay, you know, a leaky faucet is at, you know, at Cambridge Woods. Someone go out and fix it. Are we, you know, we cool with that. And we're trying to focus towards, you know, finding a flip now or finding another multifamily deal. Okay. Got okay. Uh, I was going to ask about the White Oak, but we'll get there in a second. The last question I have kind of about partners is like – don't you feel like you're diluting your yourself a little bit? Like, you know, you got four guys, now you got to split everything four ways. A lot of people say, I don't want a JV ever, or I don't want a partner because I'll lose a lot of my profit. How do you, what do you say to that? Honestly, yes, the, the reality is we're diluting ourselves, but I'm perfectly okay with that because we're four smart guys with four different backgrounds. And anytime that we end up making a decision, I feel extremely confident in that decision because we're approaching it from four different directions with four intelligent thought processes and, and you know, if it were just me going in by myself, there would always be that element of doubt. You know, am I making the right decision? Um, should I be thinking about this differently? And so, yeah, it's diluting ourselves, but at the same time, I know we're making the right decision when we do it. We're very patient and picky with our deals. And again, we have our W two jobs, so we want to make sure that we can actually spread around some of the workload. And the other, the other aspect is apartment investing is a team sport. I mean, you have to have more than one person in, in a lot of cases to get involved. So it's sort of it's also the classic of like I'd, I'd rather have a small percentage of a deal than zero percent of the deal. Yep. Um, and that's allowed us to scale more quickly. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Good answer. Love it. Love it. And, uh, you know, for me, I, I guess my question is, what other ways could you divvy up? You know, you, you, you go and you pick up another property, you pick up another property, you know, suddenly, as, as my wife and I do with our kids, you know, you're, you're now playing zone. Uh, you, you can't right. necessarily do man to man. So as you guys scale, you're going to probably have to change what you're doing, at least in my mind. How do you guys see that happening? That's a great question. I, so far, we have we feel like we've set up infrastructure with our property management company and our our full time maintenance guy that we work with to be able to scale with with more deals. But you're right; at some point, especially if we do out of state deals like we've looked at, we're going to have to look at some other opportunities where we either pull in another person or I don't know. That's the unique thing about real estate, though, right? Is you have to be ready to pivot based on the deal because not every deal fits in the same box. Yeah. yeah and to, to kind of piggyback on that, I'd say every day is a, a kind of a test with our property management company. You know wanting them to step up to the plate, handle certain issues without us having to intervene. Uh, and sometimes it's successful, sometimes it's not. As we continue to vet that out and get more comfortable or less comfortable with them, we're figuring out, you know, can we put more responsibility in their court to literally manage this for us as a property manager should so we don't have to be involved. Uh, we're, we're talking about potentially hiring, uh, you know, a part-time person to go out there and do some of the day-to-day -day for us and say, look, we don't want to hear about it unless it's a level eight or above issue. This is, you know, literally setting out step by step. This is what you do for each process. You know, here's how rents are collected. Here's how work orders are handled. Here's how X, Y, Z is handled. So the more we can systemize and automate what we're doing, the more we can scale without actually having to further dilute ourselves with more partners. Yeah. And to Mike's point, I think when we had like a Christmas Eve call at 1130 at night because of a plumbing issue, we realized that we needed to do some <laughs> things to to yeah. give our property management company more autonomy and decision making power to say, hey, these are the vendors you need to call when you have this issue. Because we don't want it to be us, right? Right. right. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Whether you need to buy or sell, or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like, so you can find a home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours even on the same day with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help you get the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your competitors are fighting for your customer's attention. So how do you stand out? Easy. Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Reach new audiences, grow your customer list, sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business through email and SMS marketing, social media, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? Don't sweat it, because Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. 
And with my boot camps and live events, I just don't have the time to clone myself. So I just let Constant Contact do the marketing for me, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with the free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. That's okay. great. So um, this White Oak thing, what's what's the story? I mean, it, it sounds like you, you mentioned another 16-unit um, is is that it? Or have you guys gone yep. and picked up other properties as well? Yes. Yeah, so so White Oak is the the third multifamily deal that we picked up at 16 units. To your point, and it's been unique because we've really learned more about construction and renovation. I think eight units were down when we bought it. Two of them were down to the studs, completely covered in mold. And we basically bought it knowing that there was a lot of value add opportunity, but also knowing that we had a lot to learn about ourselves, about construction, about how we divide and conquer. But that has led us into the flip world because now we look at a a house, like a a 1950s brick ranch house that's got a hole in the roof and we're not scared of it anymore because we've dealt with water coming down from the upstairs unit into the downstairs unit and we've learned how to, how to address it and and how to fix it. So yeah, when we see mold now, we get excited because it's opportunity (laughs) in our eyes. It's cash in our pocket. (laughs) Um, But it's a cool deal. It's 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 eight duplexes on two separate lots. So I think it's a little over three acre lot. It's in a neighborhood that's surrounded by these craftsmen, little McMansion style homes that are really nice. And the coolest thing about it is each of the units is a two story duplex and they both have or all eight of them have their own tax ID. So there are multiple exit strategies in that scenario. We could, you know, continue to cash flow it. We could uh, sell the lot to developers, which, you know, we've heard that they're coming in and starting to buy some developments in our area. Uh, We could also break them off individually. Uh, We could sell one lot. We could sell one unit. So the opportunities are kind of, I don't want to say endless, but it's more than just having, you know, one apartment complex or one single duplex. So we really like that. And like I said, the opportunity to grow in that area is huge. So it cash flows from day one, mm-hmm. uh, even with all of the repairs we have to do and the down units. But there's also the upside because of the area. So this oh, is great. one of our this is one of our smaller multifamilies. But I would say it's been sort of a catalyst for us because it was one that was more of a point of contention where two people wanted to do it. The other two were kind of on the fence about it. And we're glad that we got involved because of how much we've learned. But it's it's certainly been one of the more challenging projects we've taken on. Did you say that uh, – so it's a 16-unit. You had six occupied units and you were still cash flowing? Yeah. Uh, we, we, we got it at a really good price. Well, clearly. Um, and <laughs> Yeah, so that certainly helped. I'm going to look for a grave of a guy that you robbed. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might have had to actually put one or two tenants in to make sure it properly cash flowed. We uh-huh. also – another but, kind of – in terms of creativity – we were able to, we'll give Kieran Artham, one of our partners, credit here. He negotiated where we'd only pay the bank, I think, interest only for the first three months of the loan while we worked to stabilize the property. And he also cool. was able to get us a situation where the bank uh, loaned us money for the construction after we put in our own money for construction. So essentially they said, hey, in three months, we're going to come out and make sure that you have uh, fixed the property up and show us the receipts. And then we will give you you know, X number of dollars, fifty, yeah. sixty thousand dollars $60,000 back as like a construction loan, if that makes sense. Exactly. So that helped our initial cash flow. Right so another, another creative way to kind of get in and stabilize ourselves. Did yeah. an $80,000 rent out. The bank came back, gave us 56000 We had to put the money in up front, but yep. we, got it, we got it back quickly. That's one of the things I like about commercial lending departments is that when you're dealing with a larger property, like they can be creative. I mean, try doing that on a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loan from, you know, mm, right. bank of whatever. Like they're going to, you know, laugh at you if you try to get creative. 
Exactly. And they're part of our team. We consider our lenders a part of our team because if they don't like the deal and they think something's up, there probably is something up. You know, yeah, we right. need to take into their take their experience into consideration. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's a huge it's, it's, tip right there. Solid. Yeah. Building a relationship with a local bank is one of the, been the best things we've done. Uh, Kieran, again, give him credit. He has single family experience. He probably has about 80 homes in the Atlanta area. He does every single one through this one individual bank, Quantum Bank. They're in Norcross, Georgia, and um, they're fantastic. They, they work with us. They understand what our needs are. We understand what their objectives are. Um, and as long as we meet them, they're happy to work with us. So, How does somebody go, across, uh, go about building that relationship if they don't have many deals to start with or any deals? It, it definitely it takes time, and one thing that we've learned as we go through the refi process is it takes a lot of organization. You don't want to just blast emails to yep. the lender with your you know you don't want separate emails with each person's tax you know returns or W twos because then if you if you put yourself in the shoes of the banker and they receive fifty emails and they're trying to compile everything and organize everything, they're not going to have as much incentive to actually you know, work for you and pursue this loan. So we're working on, we've worked on binders of our information with pictures of the property and trying to make it as simple for the lenders as possible. Yeah. And another thing is we don't, we don't bring them, you know, B deals or JV deals, if you will. Like I said earlier, we're very picky. We don't like to lose on a deal. Um, We've been fortunate in our, you know, few, you know, we've done some bigger deals, but not a ton of them. We haven't had a loss yet. Um, And so we're, yeah, knock on wood. We're very picky about what we find and what we bring to them. So they know that when we bring something to them, that it's going to be a quality deal and that everybody will meet the objectives that they're trying to meet. Yeah. Well, just emphasize on your point there about being organized, right? Like uh, I've told this story before and I talk about it a lot on like the Bigger Pockets webinars we do every week is that this, like when I was trying to get a refinance on my uh, fiveplex, I went to like five or 10 different banks and everyone just kept shooting me down, shooting me down because I was bringing in this just box of paperwork. You know, it's like, here you go. Well, what's the guy who doesn't have any incentive to work with me over the next guy? Why would he want to sort that? So finally what I did with the staples, I got one of those little plastic binders, even had a cover sheet. I put uh, like my calculator, BP calculator right on the front. I had tabs that went to each section and I handed that and they were so impressed within like a day they had approved it and then they refinanced my 24 unit the next month. Like there was just, yeah, I mean that stuff works and it's so obvious yet nobody talks about it. So I love that you guys brought that up. Awesome. Absolutely. And one last thing, confidence is huge. Being confident when you go in there, knowing your numbers, knowing what you're talking about, uh, you can't replace confidence. Yeah. I mean, especially especially at our age, might just turn 27. I'm 29, so we're in our mid 20s. We like to call it. Um, you have to, <laughs> You're in your late 20s. 29 Sorry. is mid 20s. Really? I think 30 is late 20s. <laughs> is what it yeah. is. Okay. 30 right. is late 20s. I like that. I, I love that. Actually, I'm in my late 20s yeah. now. Actually, exactly. So, yeah, exactly. very good. Thanks, guys. I'm in you guys my, are my favorite guests. I'm in my late 30s too. <laughs> apparently, uh, you're in your early 30s, Josh. That's early. where it works. 40 is early 30s. Oh. There you go. There's a uh, the scale. Cool. So yeah, walk, like walking this. in with confidence to make you know if you if you're not confident in yourself, right? The bank is going to look at look at somebody and say, well, why should I entrust them with our funds? So right. yeah, it made a difference. There, there's a there's a, a ebook I should say like short short ebook that I wrote a long time ago and gave out to some people. Anyway, uh, biggerpockets.com/slash/five like the number five CS is in Cookie Sam. Anyway, people want to check that out. It's the five like C's you have to do to get a deal approved through a bank, yeah. and one of them is confidence. Like I put that right in there. It's like you know creativity, confidence, uh, color. No, I don't. I don't remember what the other one was. Anyway, check it out. Biggerpockets.com/slash/five CS. Just a free download. Awesome. So. Check it out. Love cool. It. All, right. All right. Moving Before on. Before we move on. Yes. Yes. Really quick. I, I, I want to find, uh, get a couple more bits of information. One, how'd you find the deal? Two, any numbers you got? Because that's always interesting for people. And I think at that point, we can probably start moving on to the uh, next segment of the show. 
Yeah. So the first two multifamilies we found through our network, but then the third one, this White Oak 16 unit was actually from the MLS. And I think most people that walked by and saw it were scared off um, by how many units were down and and we were able to get it through there. So I think we I think the purchase price was in the 470 range. To Mike's point, we put in about 80,000 in renovations and got an additional 50,000 back from the bank for that loan. So the rents right now probably average around 800 850 is what we're looking at because they're all three bedroom, two bath in a nice neighborhood, nice area. So it's tough to say we're still stabilizing the property at cash flows, but it's not where we expect it to be probably a year from now. So it's tough to say what it's it's going to spin off in terms of the net operating income going forward, but we'll have a pretty good picture probably in about six months. Right. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, this was, oh, you know what? And I asked you where you got it and you already talked about that. My, my, I want to kind of circle back on you had said a few of the units, or the, you had the low income. Am I confusing this with the other property? I might be at this yeah. point. So yeah, you're you know, the when you get in your late thirty, yeah. when you get in your late thirties or early thirties, <laughs> you know, 30s. early thirties, exactly. the memory exactly. starts to go. <laughs> it's it's hard to keep up at this point. All right, so you didn't talk about how you found, how you found this one. Talk about how you found this one. Besides, you said MLS. Yeah, so it was on the MLS and. and- uh, our, our buddy Aziz uh, found it. He stumbled across it doing a search one day in the, the area code we like to focus on, the East Atlanta, Decatur area. And he's like, guys, you know, I, I found this 16-unit deal. It almost seems too good to be true why it's been sitting on the MLS. And we're like, all right, let's go check it out. We went in there, and some of the units were stripped to the stud. Some of the units were literally, it was like a black cloud when you walked in, just filled with mold. Mm. Um, and at that point, it was it was it kind of stressed us out. Uh, we didn't know what to think about it, but we've started network with some people who have handled the situation before, found out that it can be remediated. It takes a lot of work and a, a little bit of capital. And we thought, you know what, why not? Let, let's, let's get into this one. Let's make it happen. It's a great value play. Uh, and that's why I say now we love mold because other people have seen it. I, I can't, you know, I don't know the exact number, but at least two other people have actually put an offer on. We're under contract and backed out and we were just crazy enough to get in there and and not be afraid of the mold so and one one thing on the mold always get the units mold tested after you're done working with yeah. them i don't want anybody to just think to just go in with mold mold is a serious it can be a serious thing so right. you got to make sure you get a certified person in to test it out possibly run through your air ducts and and clean right. things out before you get a tenant in place good tip, yeah. tip. good tip you know b- before we move on i just want to say one thing like i noticed like a common theme throughout this entire podcast today is like this idea that Every deal that was presented to you guys, it sounds like you were initially like, oh, no, we can't do that. And then you started just thinking, how do I do that? It's that same concept we talk about all the time. Instead of saying, I can't, it's how can I? So there's the 32, the 100, the 16. Every one of those was these challenges where most people, 90% of people will say no. And they'll go back to watching their Dancing with the Stars or, you know, American Idol or whatever. But you guys are like, how do I make this work? I love that. Yeah. No fear. You had someone else on your podcast, I don't know how many shows ago, that basically said, I started to look for the the can and the deal, and then kind of figured out how yeah. can I make this work. And we, don't get me wrong, we're, we're looking at a couple of deals right now that we're probably going to kick to the side. We're very picky still, but every time, just because it might look like something on the surface, doesn't mean that's what it actually is. Yep. And we do all we can to try and make it work because you know it's getting to be a tougher and tougher market now. So you need to think more creatively. Yeah, Perfect. I love it. Love it. All right, well, cool. Well, hey, let's shift gears a little bit here and head over to the fire round, the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right. 
Uh, the fire Let's round. All right, you guys know what this is. These are questions asked by Bigger Pockets members in the Bigger Pockets forums, which of course our listeners can go engage in at biggerpockets.com/forums. It is free to post questions and ask uh, people's advice and to even offer advice if you've got some experience. So, with that said, the fire round. Number 1, what tools, strategies, etc. Do you guys use to find whether or not a multifamily house or a property is worth pursuing? How do you do the numbers and decide, yes, this is what I want to do? First off, I think you have to have some sort of spreadsheet calculator. And I know BiggerPockets has some great tools. We've sort of adapted some of those spreadsheets with other other tools that we've used before. But you need something that's going to spit out what's the break-even point on the purchase price, You know how, how are rents coming in, what are the potential deferred maintenance items. So I would say really, and, and don't just take somebody's spreadsheet and plug your stuff. You need to know yeah. what the mechanics are behind those numbers. You need Fully to know what drives agree. them. You need to yeah. know what you know what to look out for. I mentioned the tax assessments. You need, just because you buy a property and it was assessed at a $15,000 annual tax assessment, that may not be what it's assessed at next year, which could impact your cash flow. Yeah, and that's some of the quantitative stuff. There's also a very uh, heavy qualitative side of this. Uh, we're looking at deal right now in Athens, Georgia. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. <laughs> Dog. Is, yeah. Which is which is about an hour north of Atlanta, northeast of Atlanta. Excuse me. Mike's from North Carolina. Like a married so. couple, these two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, yes. Anyway, <laughs> um, it, it's the the deal that we're seeing. It's it's a uh, it's seven duplexes, and it's it's way overpriced. But we looked at the rent roll, and what you find is over fifty percent of the rents are on month to month leases, or excuse me, fifty percent of the units on month to month leases. They haven't been updated since two thousand fourteen. So what that says to me is there's a disengaged owner. The owner is either lazy or he's out of state or he's looking for a reason to sell because he hasn't been managing his leases. The, the, the units are under-rented as far as how much they're charging. And if they're doing month to month, there's obviously some level of disorganization. So looking for those qualitative aspects about why that seller might be motivated uh, is huge. So comparing right. that with the numbers, uh, yeah. that's good. Perfect. Love it. All right. Next question. How many people on a team do you think is most effective? If there are too many hands in the pot, does it become an issue? At what point does the team get too big? Sure. That's that's an important question. I think more important than the number of people in a team, you need to make sure that you're all marching in the same direction. Mike mentioned earlier that we had some synergies with Aziz Khan and Kieran Artham as a core group. And we, you know, we have the same value system in terms of being a real estate investor. So if there was a fifth person that was just amazing and, and fit in, you know, in lockstep and it made sense, then that's something that we would evaluate. But we still, we don't want to dilute ourselves any more than four. Four works for us right now, I would say. It kinda, it's kind of nice to have a balance. Two people you know, often have one viewpoint, the other two have another viewpoint. So we have to get over that hump and make things unanimous before we make a big decision. You're kind of like you're kind of like the Ninja Turtles. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Who's exactly. who's like Raphael? I'm I'm Michelangelo, definitely. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll be nice. Raphael. Okay. Good. Good. Hey. I'll, I'll, I'll go with the Ben Affleck. I'll stick with that. Okay. Okay. Hey, see, see what I told you, Brandon? You're going to create a monster. <laughs> He's got a big ego, man. Jeez, man. His head's almost almost as big as your head was when we when we started the podcast, Brandon. Almost. You know. Almost. They'll yeah. get there. They'll um, get there. Hey, really quick, Aziz, I, I know you mentioned Aziz is a BP guy. I mean, did you actually find him on the site or how'd you guys come to meet? Yeah, so we did. We actually found him and Kieran on the site. So, you know, a big thanks to Bigger Pockets because nice. the, the networking there is huge. And there's, <laughs> awesome. there's the behind the screen networking that you can do in the forums, which is invaluable. But then there's also getting out from behind your computer and going yep, yep. to those meetups and finding those local investors. Um, uh, he's, he went ahead and scheduled these meetups, 30, 40 people, you know, at a local lunch spot, just sharing, you know, 
what their real estate experience is. We knew each other beforehand, but we really started to hit a stride with our investing by sharing bigger pockets articles and you know getting in the forums and you know passing things back and forth to each other. But we actually met Aziz and Kieran both on that side. Yeah, and I think another point on bigger pockets, and I know you guys didn't pay us to say this, but really <laughs> We, we attended. You can if you want. Right. We attended some meetups. Hey, I'm Brandon. That, okay. That's right. We attended some meetups that Aziz or other people had, but we've also tried to uh, create meetups of our own yeah. at our properties, kind of like a workshop thing where we we walked people through that 16 unit property to see, you know, just how crazy we are to even buy the thing, but then where we were in the construction process, and right. that has led to other connections. So you know, you think we're giving back, which that was part of our intent, but the other part of the intent was to see who was out there, who would show up, who was interested in other deals. So. It's a great networking community that doesn't really exist anywhere else. And congrats okay. on 500,000 members, by the way. Booyah. Thank you. Thank you. Booyah. Booyah. All right, just a quick, quick tip here for people. We actually do have a forum on BiggerPockets where you can go and uh, you know post about upcoming networking events in your area or find ones in your area. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash local connect. Local connect, and uh, you'll be redirected to that forum. Check it out, people. All right, question number three. How do you guys tenant proof your property or do you? Yeah, we definitely take that into consideration. And I would think the the thing that we most factor in are carpet versus vinyl or tile. You know, whenever possible, we go with a vinyl or we go with a tile because uh, the durability is there. Uh, the cost is somewhat similar if you're bargain shopping. So, you know, again, in some of these B minus properties that we have, the specific tile we're using isn't a huge issue. So we'll go around Atlanta and find 33 cent a piece tiles and install those. We also try and not do things like ice makers, little things like that, because yeah. those can break easily. If you have some overhead electrical fixture, Put a light in there, not a fan. Fans break easier. So really trying to reduce the amount of, uh, I guess, technology, if you will, in the house. I know fans are not exactly a technology, but things that could easily break. It's easy to put a light bulb in. It's tough to put a fan in. And one thing we're working on every day is reducing turnover costs at our properties, especially that 100-unit property. It's... I remember Grant Cardone, the 10X podcast, talked about how he wanted bigger problems. That means, you know, bigger opportunities. And this one has the potential to be a bigger problem for us when we don't manage expenses. So we're in the process of trying to figure out how we can, you know, eliminate carpet as we do turns to Mike's point. So it would be significant for our our bottom line. Yeah. Just throw one quick tip, another quick tip out there. One thing that I find that works really well, and I don't maybe you guys can use it. Have you guys seen the Allure vinyl plank flooring that they have? Uh, Sell it at Home Depot. And yeah, I I put that in a pleat. I put that in like eight years ago in some of my worst rentals. It looks as good as the day I put it in. It's like two bucks a square foot. So uh, I like that. And this isn't exactly tenant proofing, but we buy in bulk. So we have a guy Mm. who has uh, a lot of uh, HVACs or furnaces, and he might find a good deal. uh, And he'll have, hey, we'll have three to five of these. You want them? Well, we don't need them now, but yep, we'll put them in a down unit. We'll get them for later. Saves us money. Cool. Good idea. Great idea. All right. Last question of the fire round. Should I avoid buying property in an area where the laws are highly tenant-friendly, rent control, things like that? That's a good question. We're we're in a unique situation because Georgia is – probably more landlord friendly in some cases. So I don't know, you know, when you are dealing with a number of tenants, if you're getting in the 10, 15, 20 plus tenant range and you start dealing with professional tenants, maybe that can be a challenge in some, some states that have different law, uh, law for, you know, landlord friendly versus tenant friendly laws. It's a tough question. I don't have any great advice on that, but again, that would go back to that qualitative component of analyzing a deal. Yeah. Something you factor in. Yeah, and and really quick, we we've had a lot, uh, not a lot. We've put out a, a few articles on professional tenants for those people who don't know. These are tenants who know the laws, 
better than most landlords do and they know how to manipulate the system and they know how to basically get into a unit and never get thrown out yep. and it can be exceptionally costly i know one of our users i believe was trying to evict somebody for like two three years was it brennan uh, will yeah yeah i think it was some, I think some four or five years story. even i think it was a long Oof. time yeah yeah it's it's crazy so if if you don't know Anything about professional tenants, you don't understand it, I jump on bigger pockets and search for the term professional tenant. And we'll, we'll try and add a, one or two pieces to the show notes as well at biggerpockets.com slash show 175. But it's something you definitely want to know about if you're a landlord, especially if you're a new one. Yep. They're challenging. Yep. yep. All right, cool. Well, hey, let's close this thing out by moving over to the Famous Four. All right, the world-famous Famous Four, which, funny enough, has kind of turned into Famous Five. You notice that? Because we actually ask a fifth question, but whatever. Famous Four, number one, what is your favorite, and you can each answer this, what is your favorite real estate-related book? We we talked ahead of time and decided we'll just do one and one because I think we have – Okay. We should kind of share an answer a little bit, but in terms of real estate books, instead of giving the Robert Kiyosaki, although he has some good stuff, it's really for, lately for us been looking at like market trend reports and bigger pockets articles because books are important. But right now we're looking for like what what do we need to know in 2016? What do we need to know today that's yep. impacting our yep. local market? And there's so much information out there, but looking through the MLS, looking through just general real estate reports, I think are, are really important for us at this stage. Yep. Right. Love it. Right cool. On. Cool. Business book. Yeah, so this one gets thrown around a lot, but I'm going to say the four-hour work week. Cool. Again, when, when someone writes a book like that, they kind of take it to the extreme. But if you really kind of pare it down to some of its core fundamentals, it's all about being efficient and automating wherever possible. So if you, if you look at it for underlying themes, uh, it's a great book. It's something that you can read a couple times without getting bored and pick up something new uh, every time. I've read it a handful and then really love it. Yeah, I reread that every, every year. Yeah. yeah, I tried and, to give it to Matt, and he hasn't read it yet. It's been like a year oh, and a half. And oh, Matt, just lost, listen to the first few podcasts. Yeah, you'll <laughs> you'll hear about my story with that book. I'm like, I'm right there with you, Josh. Yeah, yeah Matt, but, Matt doesn't know but, how to read. So, by the <laughs> way, I know. Okay. Uh, you know, but by the way, you know, uh, it, it was I don't probably brag, for but, like it was probably a uh, day or so. But like uh, when when Google's new uh, Google Play podcast store launched. They, they now have uh, charts and rankings. We were, I believe we were ahead of Tim Ferriss. We were, for, yeah, yeah. for like a day, which was, you know, we, we took some pride in, in, in yeah. that, but uh, <laughs> on, on the business category. But anytime yeah, I can beat, Tim Ferriss. Yeah, anytime Brandon I can beat him, it's tweeting, good day. Eat this, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> I think yeah. I did that one time. All right. That's awesome. My question right, number four. Question. The last question of the famous no, four. No, oh, wait, no, whoa, that's whoa, right. Whoa, you have yours. Whoa, oh, I was going to skip yours. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. What do you do for What do you do for fun? <laughs> uh, good question. We, you know, like Georgia football. Go dogs. I like to hunt and fish. Uh, I like to play golf. When we're on, va- you know, when he's on vacation with his family, or I'm on vacation with my family, though, we'll still kind of stay in touch about real estate stuff. So we're we're nerds about it. We're just like the honeymoon. Like, yeah, like I mean, it's exactly. kind of an itch yep. that you just <laughs> that scratch it. Nice. All right, guys. <laughs> last question: What sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail? Or never get started. Oh, pretty good job, Josh. Just, yeah, I'm Brandon Turner. <laughs> Is that your impression of me? I'm Brandon Turner. I sound Italian. Yeah, that sounds just I like Italian. You can't. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there's so many different things. Uh, you know, you could take this, this so many different directions. 
uh, you know, I'll hit on a couple. Being intentional about what you want to do and actually following through with your your intentions. It's very easy. It's very easy to sit there and talk about it, to kick deals back and forth, to run the numbers. It's a whole different ballgame to actually go through with closing on a deal. I would say, you know, focusing on taking action and then surround yourself with like-minded individuals. You know, we're big on a team. You know, the four of us, we all work together really great. Couldn't replace you know, any one of them because we have such harmony with what we do. So surround yourself with like-minded people, people who want you to be successful, people that you want to help be successful, and then just follow through. And we talked earlier about, about confidence. You know, I think when you're dealing with these larger scale deals that seem intimidating, having the confidence to say, hey, I, you know, I could figure this out. I, this isn't too outrageous and and just going from there not limiting yourself to thinking that you can't handle something exactly i love it i love yeah. it awesome guys awesome. We're, well before we let you both go where can people find out more about you yeah so you can find us on bigger pockets or you can find us on our website cambridge-ig.com we can send you that information uh, so you can put in the show notes cool sorry we if I, you sorry just if did, I took your you, line you just you just did <laughs> Okay. You stole his line. That's all right. That? We will that? we will put all the information, including links to all four of you guys' bigger pockets profiles. And I'm gonna throw up a picture that just shows how much you look like Ben Affleck. I'll put that in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show. I'm never gonna hear the end of that. 175. <laughs> Mike and Matt, thank you guys so much for coming on. We really do appreciate it. Lots, that was lots of fun. And congrats on all the success so far. Thank you guys. Thanks congrats to y'all as well. Thank you. Hey, thank you. We'll see you around. All righty. All right, guys, that was Mike O'Connor and Matt Wood. Big thanks to Mike and Matt once again. A lot of fun. Cool show. My God, that guy needs to get more energy, doesn't he? <laughs> he is a, he, he, they're both fun guys. I really enjoyed like the energy on that show. I mean, from beginning to end, I don't know. Yep. They, had, they had a lot to say. They were very fun. And he looks just like Ben Affleck. All yeah, right. My God. You're, you're <laughs> kind of obsessed with Ben Affleck. I mean, you know, some, I'm just saying, like, it's, I felt like I was talking to a celebrity all, all the whole, the whole episode. Well, you, you I mean, people say that yourself. I look like, uh, you know, a mix between like cool. Tom Cruise and, uh, Matt He's Damon like and Ben Affleck. Tall, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of who all the good-looking guys in Hollywood they say are. You know, like to combine them all. Oh, what's his name? Adam Levine. You know, just combine them all into me. That's what they say anyway. Right. Yeah, Correct. that's what I hear. They are the voices in your head? <laughs> my wife. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, great and show. My, my mom, Lots, too. Lo, lo, can we move on? Because you're <laughs> okay. done. You're done. That was a lot of fun. Lots of cool info. You know, kudos to those guys. I mean, very impressive that they tackled what they tackled. I mean, to go from one unit to, to you know, bigger and bigger multis uh, was, was pretty impressive. So, and, and the fact that they're, you know, weren't afraid to, to realize what, when they needed help and step out there and, and do that. That I think that's one of the things that folks fail to do a lot of times is, you know, they get stuck and they're like, Oh, I'm, I'm yeah. stuck. I'm, I'm out. I'm done. I quit. I'm done. I quit. Yeah. Versus saying, you know, what? let me go get some help, find a, another way to do it. You, you got to find another way. Like if, if yep. you just, quit when things get hard you're never going to be successful in anything that's it's, it's <laughs> that's like, all there is to it right like hello obvious yeah right? yeah i love it cool all right. all right well good show guys check out the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 175 that's biggerpockets.com slash show 175 jump on the site create an account if you haven't already obviously you can link up and connect with guys like mike and matt and as as you heard, I mean they've they've used bigger pockets to build their team, and if you haven't even thought about doing that, you're definitely missing out. There's there's a whole ton, five hundred thousand plus other real estate investors on bigger pockets, and there are certainly some in your area. So yeah. get on the site and create a free account today. And with that, let's get out of here.
I'm Josh Dorkin. Signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Famous. Famous. That was good, guys. I like, I like that. it. Thank you. Yeah, we we sub it in now with the sound effects, but we still do we it every time. Still, we should still Got use to. it. By, by yeah, we, we, we should. Just, yeah, just nobody hears that. We do it every time. All right. And the harmony. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> We're singing. <laughs> All right. Nice. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leka Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.